0: and they lived happily ever after. Well, that's how fairy tales end. And most movies we watch also have happy endings, unless of course you're watching one of those chick flicks where the main character dies at the end and everybody's crying. If David and Goliath were a fairy tale, a myth, a legend, or if it was a Hollywood script, then well, The army of Israel would have carried David off on their shoulders. They would have rewarded him with great wealth. And Saul would have immediately surrendered his crown to David and he would have taken the throne. But that's not how it went down. Following the killing of Goliath, David descended into one of the, the deepest, darkest, longest valleys of his life. Some of the most despondent and despairing psalms that he wrote came from this period as he faced the vicious jealousy of King Saul. David experienced betrayal. Attempts were made on his life. Every crutch on which he tried to lean was removed. He lived on the run. He lived in hiding. uh, He lived in exile he found himself seeking refuge amongst the enemy and even feigned insanity. It was a desolate time of of loneliness and frustration. And this was a valley that lasted not weeks or months, but years. You see, Goliath wasn't the biggest giant that David had to face, just the most obvious one. Most of the giants that you face in life aren't gonna be Goliath type giants. They won't be easy to spot and it could be easy to miss the danger that they pose. You see, most giants are much more subtle and they usually aren't finished off in a, a single valiant blow between the eyes. Rather, it takes many battles over a long period of time. And, and this is the giant that David would have to face as he grew to become a man. Now, in the immediate aftermath of defeating uh, Goliath, things seem to go quite well for David. He enters into Saul's full-time service. And 1 Samuel 18, verse five says, whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. And this pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. And David proves to be one of Saul's most capable and loyal men, and everyone loves him. Well, everyone that is except for King Saul. You see, Saul sees David as a, not just a political threat, but an existential threat. And in the early part of 1 Samuel 18, things already start to turn sour for David. For all of the attention and the praise that David is getting means that King Saul wasn't getting it. In fact, on the very day that the army returns home from their great victory over the Philistines, mobs of women come out of Israel's city singing and dancing and singing the praises of David. And even though Saul was king, and even though Saul would have been leading the procession, the women were singing a song that gave David far more credit than it gave Saul. The number one song in the nation had these lyrics. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Now, imagine hearing that if your king saw how it, it would make you feel. Especially when you consider the fact that David's only killed one guy. All right, he was a big dude, admittedly, but come on. First Samuel 18, uh, verses 8 through 16, we read this. Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought. But me? With only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And I suppose you could say that Saul was right to think this because God's already promised the kingdom to David. It goes on. And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the harp as he usually uh, did Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it saying to himself i'll pin david to the wall but david eluded him twice saul was afraid of david because the lord was with david and had left saul so he sent david away from him and gave him command over a thousand men and david led the troops in their campaigns in everything he did he had great success because the lord was with him when Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all of Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. Now, for a while there, it seems that David's got no enemies, right? But not all is well in Saul's heart. And though he honored David outwardly and even gave him you know, command, there's an inner struggle brewing within Saul. A simmering jealousy is reaching a boiling point in his heart. And from the very beginning, David's popularity threatened Saul because Saul's confidence was in the wrong place. It wasn't where it should have been. Now, Saul had been a great military leader in his own right. He'd led Israel to to many great victories. But this song just grated his nerves you can almost see the steam coming out of his ears each time he hears it and the song triggers within Saul feelings that he would never be able to forget or let go and over a short period of time we see these feelings they they twist and they turn until they're they're woven into an unquenchable jealousy that consumed Saul so i want to talk in this message about jealousy, because it's the biggest giant that David had to face up until this part of his life. Now, there's nothing new or unusual about jealousy. It's been around since the very beginning, when Cain was jealous of his brother Abel's sacrifice and the acceptance that that his brother received from God. Also, I would say that jealousy is a natural human emotion and jealous feelings aren't in and of themselves wrong or or sinful. God created us as emotional beings. Having feelings is not wrong. It's how we respond to them. It's what we let them do to us. Our emotions should not rule us or control us and they shouldn't be the final decision maker in our lives. We need to quit listening to our the world because our culture preaches this message, follow your heart, right? And that's just a nice sentimental way of saying, let your feelings decide. But really, if our cultural gatekeepers were so smart, how do you explain me too, right? And all of the sexual abuse scandals, how do you explain marriages that don't last as long as the weddings. I mean, if they are so good at making decisions, um, then how do you explain all of the, the multi-million dollar lawsuits, the endless parade of overdoses and the stars entering treatment, right? How come Hollywood has the highest percentage of therapists? Do you realize that that the people who sing our favorite songs are more likely to die young than anybody else in the population. And the leading cause of death is suicide. What I'm saying is the people who are constantly telling us what to do, they don't know anything. Now, just imagine how the world would be if everyone simply acted out their feelings, right? They followed their hearts and just did what they wanted to do. I think of how many rapes, murders, bloody noses, automobile crashes there would be if everyone did what they felt like doing in the moment. I mean, our natural impulse isn't just, you know, to let the other guy go first. It would be a barbaric, cruel and selfish world. Following your heart can actually be horrible advice. God warns us in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So instead, we must always weigh our emotions in light of the truth of God's word. We must weigh them against the counterbalance of of reason. And we've got to sift our feelings through the filter of love. Just because you feel it doesn't mean it's right. So we've got to learn to control our emotions instead of letting them control us. And this certainly applies to jealousy. But this is a life lesson that Saul was never able to learn. Now, we can be jealous over many things. A boyfriend, a girlfriend, the attention or time given to someone or something else, a personal success, a promotion at work. I mean, the list is really endless. And all right, these feelings can be legitimate. All right, there is a righteous jealousy that a, a husband or a wife can feel for their spouse, all right, when they start giving time and attention to someone else. There's a, a righteous jealousy uh when a parent uh can feel for their children when they stray. Even God describes Himself as a jealous God when we start giving our honor, our devotion, and worship to something else. And God says, I'm not going to share my glory with another. But since we are sinful people, our feelings of jealousy are often not righteous. All right? They're not just. In fact, they can be downright destructive. And this is what happens with King Saul. He let certain destructive emotions control him And this led him in an unstoppable downward spiral that that consumed him until his death. We see in this passage three ingredients to Saul's destructive jealousy. Three emotional signs that if you have them in your life, they're a very clear indicator that you might have a problem with jealousy. Now, the first of these uh, ingredients to destructive jealousy is anger. Look what verse eight says. Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. Now, why was Saul so peeved? It was a song. It was a lyric in a song. And it was a, you know, it's like one of those earworms or songs that you hear. And even though you don't like it, you can't get it out of your head. I'm sure it was that way to King Saul. Every time he closed his eyes and laid down, he heard that annoying tune. One psychology textbook says that jealousy begins with comparison, competition, and the fear of being replaced. Right, And that's what Saul was experiencing with David. And Saul was ticked that, well, here's David getting all of the credit and the glory that he wanted for himself. Right? Now, all of a sudden, Saul's, he's not getting invited on as much on the morning programs or the late night talk shows. Right? David is the number one trending topic on Twitter. He's got more likes, more friends, more followers. Right? Comparison, it's a poison. And once you are infected with this poison, it it feeds a a jealous anger. And this is a real struggle for us, especially in in the world of social media. I mean, what was feeding Saul's jealous anger here was a song the women were singing. right? But we've got Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and and all of these uh, online places where you know it's constantly injecting us with comparisons where we're comparing our life to all these other people, and it and it reaches a toxic level and it feeds a, a deep-seated dissatisfaction and even anger. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with anger in and of itself. It's a God-given emotion. There are some things in life worth getting angry about. It's when we get angry over things which we have no right to be ticked off about that we have a problem, right? Do you get mad at others simply because they got what you wanted? Hmm. Be careful. When that happens, you're making yourself vulnerable, right? Especially when they deserve what they got. And maybe we didn't. Unjustified anger paves the way for uncontrollable jealousy to, to come into our lives. Now, a second ingredient of destructive jealousy is suspicion, right? Suspicion. You're just sure that that other person has it in for you. You might even think that they're conspiring against you. Look at the end of verse eight and nine. It says, what more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Saul was just as sure, as sure could be that David was out for his throne. Right, now, God had promised David the throne. He's already been anointed the king. But but David never once lifted a finger or said a single word to displace King Saul. David was consistently and constantly loyal in everything he said and did. So at this point, Saul has lost all objectivity, right? Paranoia dominates his thinking. If you are often suspicious of others, right, that should be a red flag, a warning sign. If you're seeing malicious motives, um and and everything that somebody does especially when nobody else sees it right that's a sign that you could be headed down a very dangerous path be careful be on guard now the third and final ingredient of of Saul's destructive jealousy is fear you see once we're filled with an unjustified anger at somebody else and then we're constantly suspicious of them then we become fearful of that person and everything they do. That fear begins to to dominate our thinking. It dominates what we say, what we do. And this text mentions twice that that Saul feared David in verse 12 and in verse 15. And so we see just how off his rocker Saul had become. Verse 12 tells us that, that Saul knew that God was with David, but not with him. Now, Saul didn't let that lead him to repentance, didn't lead him to making spiritual changes in his life. You see, Saul's emotional problems here are actually a symptom of a deeper spiritual problem. And I think that's often the case with us. A lot of the emotional issues we deal with are because we've got some unresolved spiritual issues in our heart. Saul was not where he should have been in his relationship with God. And he had sin in his life that he hadn't dealt with. And he'd grown distant in his relationship with God where he used to be close. And then here comes David, who's very close, very intimate with God, right? A man after God's own heart, God had said. And instead of this, you know, motivating Saul to get his act together, it just makes him more jealous, and when we become jealous of someone else because of what God is doing in their lives, right that's when we can be sure that wicked jealousy has its clutches around our hearts. God's work and someone else's life should never be a cause of jealousy it should be a cause of celebration. by this point, though Saul's jealousy is all-consuming it's become an obsession and it drives Saul to completely irrational behavior twice Saul tries to murder David by throwing his spear at him while David's playing music to soothe him in just a few verses Saul lies to David then betrays him And he had promised David, his oldest daughter in marriage, this was part of the, the reward promise to whoever killed Goliath. Saul even reiterates that promise in verse 17, only to turn around and give her to another man. So when David wants to marry one of his younger daughters, Saul tries to set David up and get him killed by the Philistines. Saul would never be able to look at David rationally and logically again Saul goes out on these search and destroy missions to hunt down and kill David he forces him into exile and even into hiding amongst the Philistines it's remarkable considering that David has been one of Saul's most loyal and capable leaders however Saul's jealousy did more than just kill his relationship with David. It negatively impacts his entire reign as king. Saul was never again a successful military commander. And nor was he an effective king over the people of Israel. When we let jealousy consume our lives, we too become illogical and irrational we can't see straight we can't talk straight and we can't shoot straight or throw a spear straight not only does jealousy not help us succeed in the matter that we're jealous about but it ruins our effectiveness on all these other areas as well in many ways Saul was a more insidious giant than Goliath right because Goliath was the obvious enemy But Saul was supposed to be a friend. He was supposed to be an ally. Now, I don't really blame Saul for experiencing some of these feelings. It's only natural. I mean, you go from being the big hero to now all of a sudden, all the the young maidens are singing songs about this new young upstart. All right. I, I understand that. That's human. That's natural. Where we can hold Saul accountable is for how he handled these emotions. Right? Saul could have controlled these feelings, Right, especially if he maintained his relationship with God. He could have had a very prosperous and fruitful relationship with David that would have benefited him as king. It would have benefited David. It would have benefited the whole nation. But because of his jealousy, he missed out on all of that. Now, why did Saul fail in this? Well, I want to share with you, uh, Dr. Gene Getz in his study of David points out four failures on Saul's part um, that allowed him to lose the battle with jealousy. Now, failure number one was that, that Saul did not deal with the root problem. And that was his pride and his hardness of heart. Saul never had shown true remorse over his earlier disobedience. Saul never uh, repented of his sin. He tried to cover it up. He tried to pretend it wasn't a a big deal. But he never dealt with the root problem. Now, when there's a sin in your life and you don't deal with it, it's going to fester beneath the surface right? And it's going to cause problems in other areas. It's going to pop up in places you don't expect. And here, Saul is given another opportunity to repent, but he only hardens his heart once more, right? So he didn't deal with the root problem. Number two, Saul did not turn to God for help. Saul never once reaches out to God or, or, or draws upon his relationship with God. And as far as we know, he never prays for God to change the attitude of his heart. Instead, what he does is he takes matters into his own hands and he actively fights against God's will. Now, contrast this with David, who time and time again, he pours out his heart to God. This is what we see in the Psalms. David turning all of his emotions over to God, right? David gets angry. He writes a song about it. He gets suspicious. He writes a song about it. He's dealing with fear. He puts it in a song. And as a result, his life was never consumed with jealousy. And he maintained that close relationship with God. So when we deal with, well, difficult feelings, We shouldn't just unleash our raw emotions on people, but first take those feelings to God, right? It's okay to tell God that you're angry. It's okay to tell God that you're afraid or that you're jealous, right? Or that you feel neglected or that you feel shortchanged, right? God already knows that you're feeling that. He already knows every thought and feeling that you have, right? So keeping it to ourselves doesn't make any sense. What does make sense is, is to, to go to God, an all-knowing God, with these things instead of trying to pretend like we've got it all together. All right? Being open and honest with God isn't so that he will better know and understand us. It's so that we can better know and understand him. It's all about our closeness and relationship with him. All right, number three, Saul did not seek help from others. All right, so he didn't deal with the root problem. He doesn't turn to God from help, and he doesn't try to get help from anyone else. All right? There's no indication in the text that Saul asked for help from anyone. All right He never seeks the counsel of a prophet, All right? He could have called upon Samuel. He could have confided in his own son Jonathan, who had an extraordinary relationship with David. Sometimes we need the counsel of others to provide a voice of reason that sometimes our own emotions block from our consciences. We need people in our lives who are going to speak truth into our lives. It's the big person that gets help from others, not a small person. All right. Number four, Saul did not address his feelings of jealousy with David. And so he didn't deal with the root problem. He didn't take it to God. He didn't take it to others. And he never even once talked to David about any of this. If David could slay Goliath with God's help, I think David could have helped Saul. David never once tried to be Saul's enemy. In fact, twice he spared Saul's life when he could easily have taken it. David always acted with reverence and humility towards king Saul. And when Saul eventually dies, David mourns Saul's death, even though Saul had spent years trying to kill him. David was never Saul's enemy, but Saul made no effort to be honest with him. Now, Unfortunately, it was a lot more difficult for David to defeat this giant than it was Goliath. Goliath, David was able to go and face directly and topple him with one blow. The jealousy of King Saul, though, tormented him for years, and David never once confronts Saul directly. Now, I've read some authors that say it's because maybe David had a lack of faith that he should have been more bold and confident in in asserting this. Maybe. Uh, It's true that sometimes we have times of, of weakness after great victories. But I also think that David had a great respect for King Saul since he was the king. David was very loyal. And I think that David may have felt that it wasn't his place to deal with King Saul, that that was God's place. There's a clear lesson here, though. Sometimes it's easier to face the obvious giants than the sneaky giants, right? The subtle giants are far more difficult. All right. And we think because they're subtle, we think we can handle them on our own because the danger isn't as apparent. Or we think, well, they'll just go away, just give it some time. It's also difficult to deal with jealousy in our own lives. But it may be more difficult to deal with jealousy in the lives of others, right? Because we can't change somebody else's heart and when somebody's filled with jealousy, the more you try to do good for them, the more they're going to probably hate you because that merely exposes their own wrong motives and their bad behavior. However, we've got to guard against right, using that person's weakness to enhance our own position. We should confront the situation directly, but lovingly. We need to be sure to pray for that person. Yeah. And, and that's because only God can change their hearts. Only God can give us the wisdom that we need to handle the situation. And don't forget the counsel of Jesus. all right? To remove the log from your own eye before you try to remove the speck from your brother's eye. All right? Check your own heart first. The obvious giants they are easy to spot. It's the not so obvious ones that can do the most damage. Is there a subtle giant in your life? And what about the insidious giant of jealousy? Do you find yourself filled with unjustified anger at a particular person? Are you constantly suspicious that they're out to get you, to show you up? Are you fearful of what this person may say or do? Do Are you afraid that they're going to make you look bad? If you answer yes to any of those questions, be careful, be on guard. Sin is crouching at your door. Now, if you answered yes to all of those questions, then, all right, there is an insidious giant in your life, every bit as evil and dangerous as Goliath. And it's time to draw the battle line right here, right now. It's time to face that giant. And that giant can be slain right here, right now. Jealousy does not have to consume you. But you've got to confront confront and confess the pride in your heart. You need to ask for God's help. You need to turn to a a more mature brother or sister in Christ. Maybe you need to sit down and have an honest heart-to-heart talk with the other person involved and ask for their forgiveness and their prayer, especially if they're a a brother or sister in Christ. Thank you, and God bless.